0: Feeling pretty good about yourself? A little puffed up, maybe? Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 has an answer for you. Join us. Truth For Today is next. (music) The trap of pride is rather easy to find ourselves in the middle of. Hi, and welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard has us in chapter 12 and verse 3 of Romans today, message he's called, Are You Thinking Right About Yourself? The Apostle Paul warns us not to think too highly of ourselves, which begs the question, how often do we do that? (laughs) Exactly. We need this warning, and it's a warning that God graciously provides for us. Join us as we examine it together. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. if you will,
1: in your Bible to Romans chapter 12. And uh, we are going to concentrate on verse 3, but uh, let me just bring you up to speed as we come to chapter 12. Uh, I have to say, in the earlier part of my ministry, I would always run and preach Romans 12. I never would want to deal with chapters 1 through 11. The older I've gotten... I'd rather preach 1 through 11 than 12 through 16. I, I get a lot bigger thrill out of telling you what God's done for you than trying to get you to do what God wants. But I used to because I think I was an exhorter. I just love to get people to say, you need to get with it. And I still kind of like that. Because God goes, but I rest in what God has done. And Romans 1 through 11 is the great merciful undertaking of God to rescue sinners, to rescue them from their fall, from their sinfulness, from their ungodliness, and to rescue us from the deserved wrath of God that Romans 1 18 says is due a fallen race. We've all sinned. We're falling short of God's glory and the wages for that is sin and sin leads to death. But God sent Christ as his dispenser of his mercy and he has rescued us and now he's talking to those who've been rescued by the mercies of God and he's telling you what you can give God that he will accept the first thing he says I beg of you by the mercies of God give God your body and you got to answer that question are you giving God your body as a daily offering here I am Lord I'm yours you, uh, you have no hands but mine down here on this earth. You don't have any mouth on this job but mine, maybe. Uh, God will not vacate the throne of his son and have him come down. You're the members of his body. Wherever you are, God ought to be represented, right? Because you're a, a local hangout for God. You're a temple of God. He hangs out in temples, First Corinthians six nineteen. And then he says, uh, if you do this, God will accept it. It's a reasonable act of worship. He wants your body. Then he goes on. He says, stop being poured into the mold of this world. Quit getting your marching orders from uh, the world system. Then he says, I want you to start being transformed, going from a cocoon to a butterfly, metamorphosis, I want you to start undergoing a transformation of thinking and character as you use this renewed mind. Your mind in Romans 1 was futile. It was empty. It was moronic. It was opposed to me. I've given you a renewed mind so that you now can thank God's thoughts so that you can start having an outlook that is divine. So then before he goes into developing spiritual gifts, he tells us something in verse 3, and I think we should just spend a little time there because before you find out about your giftedness, you need to know how you're thinking. Notice what he says For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then he goes on to describe the body of Christ and he begins to name various gifts that we'll pick up next week. If I don't preach on prayer for National Day of Prayer, but we're going there. We could take the word here, think, and we could translate it because it's a little Greek word, phronema, that means not your intelligence, but the frame of your thinking, what you think upon, what you think about. A good common denominator might be estimate. So you could read it this way. Do not estimate yourself to be higher than you ought but estimate yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Four times he uses the word think in the Greek language there. And he's saying, have this frame of thinking, this frame, and two, three measurements I want you to do for your mind. I want you, first of all, not to have an overestimate of yourself. Two, I want you to learn to think soberly about yourself. He said this for deacons and elders. They must be men who know how to think right about God, themselves, and others. And thirdly, a difficult phrase that we'll spend a little time on. I want you to think in keeping with the measure of faith that God has given you. And that is a difficult phrase that we'll look at. Uh, First of all, he says, I don't want you to overestimate yourself we would call it pride i don't want you to be arrogant i don't want you to be boastful uh, i don't want you to have some inflated uh image of yourself you, you've heard the line the guy said he's a legend in his own mind uh, or it's like the student at dallas that came to howie Hendrix one time and he he told Howie he says i'd appreciate it if you pray with me that i'd be humble And he said, Howie, would you please pray that I'll just be nothing? And Howie says, my lands, take that by faith. You are nothing. You don't even have to pray about it. What can you do if God doesn't give you breath, life, intelligence? Who are you? Who are you apart from God? You are nothing. Jesus says, you can do some things without me. What? Nothing. Nothing. How much is nothing? That's how much you're worth apart from him. That's how much you can contribute. I have the feeling many people are trying to hold up God. They come to church. God, I've come to church to help you out. I came to church today for God to help me out. I came empty. I came as an empty container to Niagara Falls. He is undiminished. I come to him to fill me up. I come to him hungry. That's how you ought to come to church. Come hungry. Come acknowledging your need of him. So he said, don't overestimate yourself. Have you been to a Barnes & Noble lately? And notice how many books there are on humility. I wonder if I advertise a course next Saturday. Come with me for a 12-week study on how you can become humble. How many of you would sign up? Uh, I mean, everything is on self-esteem, self-help. You deserve it. Uh, you're better than you think. Uh, assert yourself. Uh, all kinds of And then on the opposite end of it, we have people who feel worthless, uh, chewing their fingernails all the time, saying I'm nothing and, and kind of groveling. Uh, who we are is a difficult thing. Are you thinking right about yourself? Ecclesiastes says, as a man thinks, so is he. And so, we're trying to, how should we think about ourselves? Uh, God says, I want you to think humbly about yourself. And here's the issue. Uh, the reason we don't necessarily get humility is we compare ourselves among ourselves. He says, I've got more education than Dumbo. Uh, I'm better looking than ugly. Uh, uh, She is the invention of plain. I'm the epitome of beautiful. And we got all these comparisons, and we compare. Pride always compares. Lewis said it this way. uh, Pride is never to be content to be with what it is. It always has to be better than something. The proud person is always comparing so they can be better. I have more money than you. I have better looks than you. I have more education. I'm smarter. You've always got to have something to compare yourself to be a proud person. Pride is, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And the proud person always indicates they're not hanging out with God. Because pride cannot exist for long in the presence of greatness. When you hang out with superlative, when you hang out with the greatest, when you hang out with the best, when you hang out with him that's above all, above all, in brains, intelligence, omnipotence, omniscience, when you hang out with God, you begin to feel how small you are. When you hang out with one another, you start saying, I'm a lot better than I thought. Humility only hangs out with God. There's no such thing as a proud devil. When you hang out with the devil and the world, he will inflate the ego way beyond what it is. So I want us to look at a few things. God's encouragement uh, to humility. Then I want us to look at some of his warnings against our pride. And uh, maybe just do a little self-searching uh, in our own heart about How are you thinking about yourself? Is it biblical or is it inflated? Uh, And we seem to run the gamut of being totally discouraged on one hand. I, I think often of preachers. They talk about Monday is blue Monday for preachers. They either feel higher than a kite or they can feel like they're in Death Valley. They can run the mood. I did a terrible job yesterday or maybe I ought to be the next Billy Graham. And to have a balance... To have a balance, to keep sober thinking is tough to just say, what are you? How is God using you? Let's just, I don't have time to look at all the verses, but let me just give you a little preview what God thinks about humility, a humble state of mind. Uh, Number one, Jesus said this, hear this, if you hang out with me, Matthew 11, if i can get you into my yoke two things i promise i'll teach you two things i'll teach you to be gentle and i'll teach you to be humble no 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 you didn't come all the way from heaven to teach men to be humble it's one of my reasons and gentle come on we want to lead the church can't you hear peter Gentle, my foot. When I'm catching a perch, I'm not trying to be gentle. I hook it, throw it off. I'm not gentle. I grab a sword, and I'm going to deliver the Lord because I know how to chop off ears. Gentle was not Peter's characteristic. And gentle is the Greek word for mellow. It was the word used to mellow wine. It was used of a gentle touch. It really had the idea of putting people at ease. A gentle approach was putting people at ease. I've seen some people, when they walk in the room, tension shows up. They can just up the tension because they don't know how to put people at ease. I love to watch people with children and see how they respond to them. Sometimes I'm not trying to make my grandchildren at ease. I'm trying to scare the daylights out of them so they'll do what I say. So there's a place. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, I think of in the upper room. Christ said, I'm going to wash the feet of dirty men because I love them. And I'm going to show them how much I love them. And when you show how you love like God, you stoop to wash the feet of dirty men. And he says, by the way, I leave this example to my followers Do to others like I've done to you. And the world will know you're my disciples. A love that stoops to serve. This is the king of glory, putting on the towel to serve. Uh, Jesus told his own that greatness in his kingdom is not being number one. It's not exerting muscle like the Gentiles. He said, you want to be great in my kingdom? You must be the servant of all. For the son of man came not to be served, but to be a servant to all. The greatest people in this church are the servants a lot of them are over in children's department. Many of them have, should have aged out. We have Sunday school teachers in their 80s, nearly 90. And sometimes we can't get young people in their 30s to sign up. Who wants to mess with a bunch of kids? It takes the humblest of people to work with children because children don't applaud you. They don't say that was a great lesson. Uh, They don't buy you a Christmas gift. They don't give you an encouragement card. They don't do anything for you, but say, I'll see you next week maybe. I think of people who pour their lives in mission field assignments, lonely, cut off from maybe the main. uh, No one's around to see what's going on. But they labor in hard places, secluded places, little finances perhaps, little uh, letters from home. and just. But they said, someday I will stand before the king of glory. He knows what I'm doing. The greatest people in God's kingdom are not us who are on platforms. It's us who stoop to serve when nobody's looking. That's greatness in the kingdom of God. And he had to tell his own disciples when they get their own mother, said, please, Jesus, grant me a favor. And if you read the narrative, he's rushing to Jerusalem so he could be crucified. And on the way, and in Luke's writing, he's really in a fast pace. He set his face as a flint. And she said, by the way, grant me a favor. What is it? Would you make my sons? Uh, representatives in your kingdom put one on the right hand and one on the left hand i want you to give them positions of authority and he said that's not what i came to do i'm offering them suffering i'm offering them humility i'm offering them to stoop like a servant it's all over the Bible. You get Isaiah 57. You get Isaiah 64. To this man will I look, to him who's of a humble and a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. God's eyes are running to and fro throughout the earth, and he looks on your estimate of yourself. And if you're overestimating yourself, you will eliminate yourself as being his tool. That he's going to use because god always resists the proud he's not that desperate that he needs you he's not that desperate he's looking for the humble of heart that says would you use me lord i'm available i'm not the best i'm not the worst maybe but i'm available humility he keeps telling us humble heart. You know what he said in the word, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, Colossians three thirteen. 13. Uh, I think of Ephesians 4, Colossians. Uh, he said in 1 Peter that the only way saints can get along together is if we walk in gentleness and humility toward one another, forbearing with one another in love. I love what Colossus says, that when I see you, the first thing I ought to see is humility. Isn't that interesting? And how does he do that? He said, clothe yourselves with humility. I hope the first thing you see when you see me is that I'm dressed. Be scared if I'm not. It's usually a sign of insanity when you want to take all your clothes off. That's why so many of our uh, beaches are full of nearly naked people. They're losing their mind besides baking their body. He said, clothe yourselves in humility. Now, there is a way. Now, you can walk in. Here's the poor soul. And I won't think you're humble. I think you've got bad posture. There's a way. Because with men, they have a stance. They have a stance. The tougher the men, there's a stance. Come on, come on. And you can see it in the face, especially the eyes. Lust and anger are in the eyes. Come on, you're looking for trouble. You come to the right place. The right hand didn't get you the left will. What's that all about in church? What's that all about? You're to clothe yourself. Your external manner of life is to be one of humility so you don't scare one another. We are the forgiven mercy people. We are the people that have found mercy. We're not in this because of greatness. We're not here because God saw we were better sinners than those who didn't believe. We're here by elective mercy. God says, I want you to walk like you received mercy. I want you to act like you received mercy, not you're here because of your great merit, because you're as obnoxious as those who are not going to heaven. He said that to Israel. I didn't choose you because you're the greatest of the nations. You're stubborn. You're hard to work with. I just chose you because I'm a loving God and wants to give you what you couldn't earn. Do you walk in humility? Are you always trying to prove you're better than others? He says to us right before he goes into gifts, think right about yourself. Don't overestimate and have an inflated view of yourself. Uh, let's take some warnings about pride. The, the Bible's full of it. I cannot give, let me give you some. Proverbs says, before destruction, In Proverbs 18, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. God says, before I'm going to destroy a man, you'll see him as full of pride as he can be. And before I'm going to promote a man, you'll see humility. Proverbs 18, is that powerful? And, And you think of David, why would you want me, God? Even Saul, when God began with him, who am I? I'm the least among Israel. Gideon, I'm the least among Israel. And God promotes them to service. Where there's humility, you can look for a promotion. And he may promote you by continuing to use you. A man's pride, Proverbs 29, 23 says, will bring a man low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. What are some things that make us proud? Knowledge. Are some of you so puffed up with what you know that you have no earthly good, but you know more Bible than anybody else in the church? So what? I went to seminary with so many guys that uh, knew a lot, and sometimes I'll ask other classmates, where are they today? What are they doing for Christ? They gave fits to all the pastors, because they knew more than the pastors. But you know what, knowing more than the other person doesn't mean God's gonna use you until love is your motivation. Knowledge, knowledge alone would just puff you up. Have you ever been proud of how much you knew? I don't wanna look at you, I'll let you figure that out. Promotion can ruin you. He said in 1 Timothy, don't promote a man that's a novice, a new believer, and give him a position as deacon or elder in the church because promotion will set him up for pride and he will fall. Look, I I cannot escape this. You've got to turn. Chronicles. Turn to Chronicles with 2 Chronicles. Not the San Francisco Chronicles. The Bible Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 26. I, I just cringed as I read this this week. The story of Uzziah a man who reigned for 52 years. 52 years, that's quite a reign. Started as a 16-year-old boy, he became a king. And for 52 years, God blessed and blessed and blessed. Notice his description of him. Uh, 26.3, he was 16 when he came to power. 52 years, he reigned. Notice at the end of verse five, as long as he sought the Lord, God, what, you know what that penetrated me It's like God said to me, do you seek me like you did at the beginning?
0: Closing out our time together today here in Romans chapter 12, this is Truth for Today, and you're listening to Pastor Phil Howard as we work our way through the book of Romans to contact us if you have a question, prayer request. Maybe you would like to order a copy of today's broadcast or the set today's message was taken from. All of these resource materials are available from us. You need only call or write to us. Now, there are a couple of ways to write. First, you can write to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That is here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547 The other way to write to us would be through our website. Stop by and then drop us an email. We are at valleybible.org. Again, you'll find us on the web at valleybible.org. we'll have not only the resource materials from today's broadcast and the series, but others as well, plus information about Valley Bible Church, who we are, what we believe, and an opportunity to join us for worship. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. If you're calling, our phone number is 855-833-9864. Now, for a copy of today's program, simply mention the date of the broadcast. If you would like the series today's broadcast was taken from, ask for it by name, Living Sacrifice, Serving One Another. We ask for a gift of $15 or more for this resource. And again, any amount you give above and beyond the cost of these resource materials will go directly to the radio broadcast as we are listener-supported here on KFAX. Please bear that in mind as you contact us. Now, we also have the entire eight set, 47 sermons in all in the Book of Romans for a gift of $100 or more. Mention that when you contact us if that's of interest to you.